Live Life Aggressive Show. Sincere Hogan, that's me. Got Mike Mahler. He's on the other line right now from sunny Las Vegas. What's up? Yeah, man, I'm doing good. It's sunny and hot. It's already summer. Yeah, you can have the hot part. I mean, I got yeah. at least it feels like spring in Houston, so I'm going to hold on to this as long as I can, man. I mean, it's actually breezy <laughs> today. People flying kites the other day, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> they had like a kite festival in Houston. I was like, okay, what global warming is. And El Nino is like really doing their thing right now, like a kite festival in Houston. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I went sprinting yesterday. I was dying. It was 90 degrees already. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, I, I, in some way, in some ways, I don't mind that it's kind of an extra training stimulus, right? Oh, it's yeah. one more thing to work against. It's another avenue of mental toughness. And then you don't have to worry about getting warmed up. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't have to worry about pulling a hamstring <laughs> sprinting in this weather. But also, speaking of Texas, I was listening to the new Drowning Pool album. I think they're based out of Dallas or yeah, Houston. Yeah, Dallas, yeah. Yeah, Dallas. They're really, it's really good. Yeah, it's I love really those good. guys, man. love those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's I saw, awesome. yeah, I saw you doing some retweets from them. Um, yeah, from the other day. And <laughs> that's I was some like, funny shit on there. Oh yeah, I, was, I can see they haven't lost their sense of humor, man. They're still some funny guys, man. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so I, I gotta check that out. out. I didn't know they have a new album out, so I'll definitely check that it's out. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So definitely check that one out, folks. Okay, we're gonna get. We have a great guest today. We're gonna be talking about MMA strength training shortly. But before we do that, just a few shout outs to some VIPs that are going above and beyond to support the show. We've got Jason Doolin. Byron Anderson, Justin Cheney, Paul Ryeff, Richard Rope, and Richard was inspired by you, since Okay, we got to talk that. about it in just a second. We'll get <laughs> Richard, to Richard, Richard in just said, a second. <laughs> we're going to come back to you in a second, Richard. Let me get, let me get through the rest of the shout-outs here. We got Eric Thomason, Alpesh Patel out of the UK. We got Mark Hannington. Mark's a great guy, a good friend of mine. I've known him for – he actually came to one of my first workshops ever Ooh. in Santa Monica, I think 2003, 2004. Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got Alan Condon and Sphinx Patterson. All right, now back to Richard. Let's talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> Richard sent me a nice email saying how, how inspired he was by Sincere's lifelong battle with ED. And that's what got him to pull the trigger on getting back on the products again. I was like, wow, I, I must not have been on that episode where Sincere confessed all this. I was like, what podcast is Richard listening to? to my, <laughs> and my response was, um, he has another form of ED, <laughs> ear erectile dysfunction, because he obviously heard the wrong podcast, and that was not me. He was <laughs> I think you missed the episode where you were talking about waking up with a boner every morning. Yeah, for the pretty last much. Five years. <laughs> I've been living the life of a 16-year-old for a long freaking time, Richard. So. Yeah, you don't you don't wake up with uh, you, you don't wake up with a sledgehammer and then have ED later in the day. It's just exactly. the two don't just two, the two, <laughs> the two don't just don't coexist. Uh, so anyway, all of those people have been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements around. My aggressive strength testosterone booster, which of course is my number one seller, but also Red is actually giving Red. it. It's I'm yeah, Red. Red is giving it some real competition there. And what's interesting is I've gotten some feedback from women saying that they've noticed that their sex drive has gone up big time, and it's been a couple of women who don't know each other that all emailed me separately and told me this. And I a few guys have been, if they actually knew each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Three women who all live together in the same house <laughs> and run an online webcam business. I told me, you know. <laughs> but it's not too surprising when I when I think about that because with women, they're they rely on adrenal 
adrenal health for optimal testosterone levels. And testosterone is important for women as well for sex drive. And also progesterone is. And maca really helps with progesterone and balancing progesterone and estrogen. So in addition to adrenal energy and just real energy in general, the four ingredients in red have multiple benefits. It's actually also a testosterone booster for men. All the ing- if, you, if you look at all the detailed information on each ingredient, all four of them have been shown to have pro-testosterone properties. Well, you told so me when a, you said maca was going, when you told me about the ingredients that you were, you know, thinking about formulating, and when you mentioned maca, I was like, okay, that's a winner right there, buddy. <laughs> that's a, yeah, and it's not just the maca you get at Whole Foods, it's a 20 to 1 extract. Exactly. So, so some people are like, well, it's only 250 milligrams, that's nothing. I go, yeah, but it's a 20, 20 to 1 extract. So yeah. when you look at, let's say, 750 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams, depending on how many caps you're taking, you know, multiply that times 20, exactly. and that's and, what it's at. And then what is, with the other ingredients that is, you know, having synergy with, that's what you got to right. consider as well. So right. it's not just a one-off thing. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So definitely check out Red. The feedback on that has been great. Use that coupon code LLA, get 10% off. And you'll find in particular, if you take it before any kind of endurance type workout, you'll notice a big benefit. So I like to take it before sprinting. I like to take it before I do anything high repetition. Yeah. And, you know, consider that stack that I mentioned a couple episodes ago as well. Like I have it, you know, about an hour before training along with green tea uh, or you or coffee. I hate throwing coffee in there sometimes because people use that too much for stimulant and it get right, right. over, you know, overstimulation. But like I said, green tea has been excellent, especially, you know, from what you were discussing a few episodes about how green tea really is beneficial as far as like fat loss as well. So, hey, man, why not get more bang for your buck when you're burning even more fat and you're actually ramping up your endurance at the same time? So, like, so I've been loving that by stacking those together, man, along with the testosterone booster. So training has been really freaking great since you sent that. It's just I can really see the difference. And I'm just saying it because I know your ass. I'm just telling the truth, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> so yeah, my, yeah. I'm not just saying this so I can wear a Mahler aggressive strength T-shirt so everybody can see, you know, so I can get that endorsement. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah we both get a lot of free stuff sent to us and most most of it is never mentioned <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> you know? so we don't fall into the obligatory that a lot of our peers do where they get some free stuff and now they feel like they have to say something positive about it like if you send me something and it's great i'll be happy to say something positive about it but if you send me something and it sucks i'm gonna say i may not go public with that out of courtesy <laughs> but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to you the person who sent it to me i'm gonna tell you what i think about it exactly so yeah man so yeah, we'll we'll get back into more of the the housekeeping stuff and and everything else. But let's get what I guess, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, we have a great guest today. We got Corey Beasley, who's a MMA strength coach who runs FightCampConditioning.com, which is a great website loaded with oh, yeah. all kinds of information, videos, articles. He has a podcast as well, and it's just cutting through a lot of the nonsense on effective strength training for MMA, which, as we all know, is a really murky environment. I mean, it seems oh, yeah. that. People are a lot of strength coaches really don't have a clue on how to design effective strength training regimens for combat athletes. So, Corey, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Doing great, great man. Good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. How long have you been working with combat athletes? Uh, probably about seven years or so. Uh, I grew up grew up wrestling and doing jujitsu and stuff like that in uh, Chicago, and then uh, really got into the mixed martial arts game when i moved out here to southern california oh very cool hmm. now what do you, what have you what have you found were some of the issues people were having with putting together effective programs i mean really it's just a wild wild west you know there's uh you know typically the the fighters are coming from different backgrounds you might have guys that have jujitsu backgrounds you might have guys that have stand-up backgrounds or wrestlers so they have kind of their foundation that they work off of which is their strength but 
you know, when they start to add all these other skill sets, <clears throat> not to mention the strength and conditioning side of it, um, they get overwhelmed real quick. Yeah. Do you find that people either do too much strength and conditioning where it's taking away from their sports specific skills or not enough strength and conditioning? Well, I think just the skill training by itself a lot of times um, is enough. Right. For, they're, they're for just, conditioning. They're getting, yeah. they're getting smashed every day. Right. Right. Um, a lot of people, there's very, very few camps in the country or the world where everything's under one roof which would be the ideal situation, right? right Where right. everybody's communicating and talking yes. and everybody can see what's going on all every day, all day. Um, but a lot of these guys are bouncing. They go to wrestling here. They go to jujitsu at this other place. They do their stand up at this other place. And then they have a strength coach on the side. Right. And the, the problem is, is a lot of people, most of them aren't communicating. Um, and then everybody wants to do their thing. And they think that their, their piece of the puzzle is most important and, and everything plays a part. But, um, yeah, it starts becoming ego. Up, it starts becoming an ego battle between the coaches. Yeah, which well, one's the better coach? I'm doing this. No, he needs to be on the <laughs> mat more. It's like no, he needs to be working on stand up more. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big issue, and I think that's why so many of the guys are are burnt out. They're they're getting injured before fights, and uh, you know it's hurting everybody. It's been a huge issue. Yeah, like like, AK, like AKA. What do you, what do you think oh, is well, going okay, on? The AKA? AKA? Let's talk about AKA, man. What, what <laughs> is it about this place? <laughs> I mean, I'm, well, I'm just waiting for Luke Rockhold <laughs> to do his tweet next. Like, okay, I missed my fight. I'm just counting down, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about it, you think about the guys that are good fighters yeah. and their personalities that go with it. Right, right. And then you throw, you throw all those, you know, type A silverback gorilla killers <laughs> in one room. There's no such thing as as drilling, you know what I mean, or or going easy, right? Those guys want to knock each other block off. That's why they're so good at fighting, right? Right. right. Yeah, like Kane, Kane and Cormier, and, and for Cormier example, just going at it like two big Those guys Kodiaks. have real battles. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, they're as tough as they come. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, is that if you're like Kane is a great fighter, but he's injured so often, he's only fought what twice in the last couple of years. Yeah. And so it's hard to well, get injured. So I was just like, come on, man. <laughs> which is kind of odd to me. I'm like, how did he get injured when Kane's been injured? Like, who would injure D- who injured DC? It's like, who's left? <laughs> <Yeah>. You know? <laughs> well, that place is stacked, man. There's so many guys just going hard. And, and the hard part is, is like, if you have an NFL season, okay, cool. Everybody knows when it starts, everybody knows when it ends. Right. The problem with MMA camps a lot of times is that you've got guys that have fights at all different times, there's no downtime. There's no real off season. Uh, you know, you try to scale a camp for somebody and try to prioritize their training and give them some downtime or off time or, or scale their training intensities and stuff like that. And the coach just looks at you like you're, you know, you're crazy, you know. So getting people to actually buy in and individualize programs for the guys as they're going through different phases of their camp is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matt Brown said that. He relies on the coach to tell him when to dial things back because he has that personality you just mentioned. He's going to go hard the whole time. Oh, yeah. So he says the onus is basically on the coach to say, hey, you need to dial it back today, man, or you need to do more. Right. And that's rare, to be really honest. Yeah, you know, there's sure. a, you know, it, it's getting better. I think people are starting to realize it. A lot of the top guys are, 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 training a little bit more intelligently and they're starting to learn how to feather you know change the volume and intensities and different things like that with all aspects that are training and i know it will improve but you know it's just like any sport this thing's still in its infancy and people are just figuring stuff out 
Yeah, and I think it will improve a lot more once the once these coaches realize that when your fighter is not being able to be healthy for an upcoming fight in which he's going to get paid, that means you don't get paid. So I think when it starts hitting oh, yeah. those coaches in their pocketbook, that's when they're going to start making those adjustments because, hey, man, they're making a living off this as well. So if your athlete, if your client's not working, you're not eating. It's just like he's not eating. So you all of a sudden you, you put that ego aside and put that ego in another place where it's like, okay, I'd rather eat than sit there and try to impose my will on this guy. And and sometimes I feel like a lot of these coaches might be trying to relive their yesteryear through these athletes, you know, and, and oh, they, they could have been there. They're like these soccer dads, but now they're coaches. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, you know, since they didn't quite make it to that level or at the time, let's just say like the UFC per se, it, it wasn't where it is now back then when these coaches were pro, when they were pro athletes. You know, so now right. they're just kind of like trying to relive their life through these guys. Like, hey, this is what would have happened if I had been there, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so, And I've I've talked with quite a few guys like, uh, you know, Shane Carwin and some guys that are a little bit older. Um, and now they see what some of the younger kids are doing. And they're just like, man, we're so stupid. We were doing it so wrong. And they were just they wanted to bang hard every single day. They wanted to every single workout needed to smash them. And uh, they wondered why they're, you know, tattered up and broken and not even 40 years old yet, you know? Yeah. Well, what are some examples of doing it right? Well, I think, number one, everybody has to be coordinated and have a plan, right? As If if you're three, four weeks out from a fight or, shit, six to 12 weeks out from a fight and yeah. everybody's not on the same page, that person's going to get broken quick. It's a violent it's a violent sport. There's no way around it, you know, wrestling, yeah. jiu-jitsu, MMA, boxing, any of that stuff. It's taking a huge toll on your body. And um, all those coaches need to be able to coordinate and communicate enough to realize, all right, cool, here's the two days we're going to go hard this week, um, you know, and here's the, these days we're going to do like chill, we're going to drill, we're going to go easy. And they need to be able to communicate effectively because sh- shit changes every single day. You can have yeah. a great plan on paper, but that goes out the window a lot of times, you know? Right, right. I think, I think also can- I think also being in fight shape is – a very small window, meaning that you have to peak at the right time because you can't stay in that peak level of conditioning for too long. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of guys have gotten, you know, in the whole, I think the fitness community as a whole has kind of gone down that high intensity road for too long. Right. Right. And, um, you know, they just want to, if you go hard or go home and you see that kind of crap all day long, no yeah, you're going to be going off. home a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you get, like you guys said, when you get that room full of killers in there and they just want to bang hard every day, you do need a coach that's in there that says chill out or go right. easy or back off, or we're just going to go, you know, they have to be able to feather that intensity a little bit. Um, yeah. and they also need a huge aerobic base. So like when you see all the old time boxers doing road work and stuff like that, yeah, that's hugely important for these guys, you know, and uh, I think if they have a massive aerobic base, they have a good foundation of strength, then, yeah, the last few weeks leading into a camp, you can kind of fine tune things pretty well right. without burning them out throughout the year. So like the Diaz brothers, for example, have great conditioning, oh, yeah. great aerobic base. And that's why someone such as Nate can be on the beach partying, get a phone call and say, hey, I take this fight in 10 days and still come in. And, and do, rel- do really well. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's an aerobic based thing for them for sure. Yeah, um, too, but I also man. think that there's also a big mentality side yeah, to it. Right, mentally, right. I mean, when you're out on that road, first of all, you're not around all your teammates per se at that time, so you, yeah. you have a lot of you time while you're doing that, and you're kind of going at this nice easy pace, and you know you have a you can really go through your head. You can prepare for the fight. You can prepare just how to relax. And that was another thing I wanted to allude to was I, I think. It seems like one thing that's never really highlighted whenever you see some of these camps, these guys getting ready for an upcoming fight and they have these highlight shows and things like that. They always show the training. They always show them going back and forth. They show them when they're eating and cutting weight. But one thing they never really focus on is how they treat recovery. And, and I feel like that's always that lost aspect. So if you're uh, just say an amateur athlete watching this and you're trying to get inspired and, you know, hey, this is what I want to do and I want to be where that guy is and, you know, this is the guy I look up to, so I'm going to train like him. You know, it's it's kind of like doing them a disservice by leaving that aspect out, thinking that, hey, it's always about go hard, go home. And when you go home, then just fall asleep. It's not about what happens, on, you know, in between those training sessions about recovery. And when they do show recovery, you see somebody just sitting in a big tub full of ice. Okay, so old school. I mean, there are all these other things like, you know, Mike's mentioned, you know, with the, the, the cryotherapy and the chamber and things like that, man. And I think a lot of those things are being left out. And well, I think, I mean, all that stuff is hugely important. But I think most people screw up nutrition and sleep, period. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, just a, just the simple basics. They'll, right. they'll screw that stuff up. And if you can't get if you can't get the real solid foundational basics set first, then they get they do get distracted by all these other, you know, flashy toys and stuff that's out right. there. Right. And they're not even doing the simple stuff. Or flashy you know? nutrition coaches. <laughs> well, that, that's a, that's a mistake among lay people as well. Oh yeah. They, yeah. they take they take every supplement under the sun and hey, I'm a, <laughs> I'm I make I make supplements and sell supplements. I mean, it's also it's in my interest to encourage people to take supplements, but you can't get the full benefit of supplements if you're not doing the basics that you just mentioned, such as yeah. optimal sleep and good nutrition. Yeah, for sure. So it's easy to get it's easy to get distracted by things. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's There's easy. so much noise out there with I mean, it's easy to get distracted just cuz of I mean, shit, there's podcasts, there's videos, there's, right. social there's media, so much information. Right. You walk around like right now, I went out with my son this morning. We go out for an hour or two and just walk around. Every single person that walked past me was on their phone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, damn, dude, you guys got to put it down. And dude, I, go, I go to concerts and, and concerts are like that. Yeah, I mean, they're texting. They're doing a play by play of the show while, you know, while you're watching. There's this guy just sitting there texting, texting and tweeting and tweeting. I'm like, dude, have you even seen any of this concert yet? So no, they just feel like now they're working for, you know, the, the e-network and they have to sit there and do a play by play for everyone. So, yeah. Well, even at the UFCs, if you watch it at home and you can see the people in the first blue row screens, around. Screens. Yeah, yeah. They're on their phones the whole time. <laughs> yeah. There'll be some guy with his chick who clearly doesn't want to be there. She's just dolled up looking good, but she's on her phone the whole time, probably talking about why she doesn't want to be there. It's like, oh, these guys are fighting. Oh, they're on the cage now. I don't know when this is going to be over. Front you want to meet up at the Cosmo for drinks later? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give those fucking seats to a fan who would just be on cloud nine. Like going batshit crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're like eight hundred nine, twelve hundred dollars seats. So yeah, let that let that person have that seat because hey, man, take them like a pretty much like a whole year's worth of income, pretty much to pay for something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But I think it's hard for anyone to pick a plan and stay the course. So lay people make this problem with programs all the time, training programs. They start one program, two weeks into it, they're reading about another one. And they oh, yeah. man, what if I combined both of these? Well, I think that's what happens that's when you have an unclear objective, first of all, before you even have a plan. Like, okay, what the hell do you want? What are you, yeah. what are you seeking to actually do with yourself here? And why are you training? And why are you getting ready to start this program? I think 
the, the, I don't think that their reason is compelling enough to have a set plan in place. And I think that's where the disconnect comes, you know. So it, it can be a two-way street. You know, you have these athletes who actually know what their objective is, and they kind of go they, – they focus too much on it, and they do way too much to get to that objective. So it's kind of both – it goes both ways. It seems like they're both in the same boat. Just an option. Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the coaches that I've talked with, and I'll interview coaches from all over the world that work with these guys, and <clears throat> they all say the same stuff. I mean, when a when an athlete comes in, um, you have to start and talk to them, you know, and create right. a bond with those guys and figure out who they are and where they're at and what they need to do and, you know, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, and uh, you know, what's their training schedule like? Do they work? Do they not work? Mm-hmm. Um, do they married? Do they like their wife? Do they not like their wife? Like, I mean, <laughs> sounds like me. That's, that's like, on, right? I say the same thing to every new client I have. That's first time I'm like, okay, what's your relationship like? They're like, really? I was like, no, <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna play a big part in your training. <laughs> you well, know, you know, just it affects They're like, it sucks. That's why I'm so strong in the gym, man. I get all my frustration. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, right? But you have to kind of gather all that information to really get a good feel of those guys are at mentally right, physically right. emotionally all that stuff because it right. will if you don't find it or ask about it it'll come and bite you in the ass later for sure and yeah. i've had it happen so many times yeah so, so what's what's your so what like, what's your assessment process you have someone come in you have them fill out a questionnaire do you have them go through any kind of mobility to assess injuries yeah i mean initially we're just asking about injuries and as you guys yeah. can imagine it's always a laundry list if guys have been fighting for any amount of time no doubt um, and a lot of times they, you know, some guys will tell you straight up. Other guys will be like, hey, man, I'm good. Let's just go. And then <laughs> then you do. I go through like a, a simple just, you know, um, like checking for asymmetries, you know, ankle and hip and upper back and shoulders, that type of stuff. Just real simple. But just to find discrepancies from right to left um, and then just watching them warm up and move, you know, we'll have them do dynamic you know, dynamic stretching stuff. We'll do some activation work. We'll do some crawling patterns, locomotion patterns, stuff like that. And you can see stuff real fast, right? We're just oh, yeah. we're moving. And then, uh, and then as far as just strength, I, I mean, I watch them every single time they're there, every rep. You know, are they squatting? Are they hinging? Are they pushing? Are they pulling? Do they carry stuff? You know, how well are they moving? You know, you're asking them questions during the warm up, so you can say like, "Yo, how'd sparring go this morning?" You know, and that type of stuff. And it. Nine times out of ten, guys, it's I have a, writ, a workout written out, and that shit goes out the window. It goes right yeah. out the window, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so stuff always comes up. Ah, dude, I tweaked my shoulder, and this guy ripped my arm off, you know, whatever. There's a million things that happen, so. What do you think about Nick Curzon's training stuff? He's very focused on plyometrics, explosive work, and in particular, <laughs> foot, foot strength and footwork. Yeah. I think uh, – I've I've talked with a few guys. I've I've been trying to connect with Nick for a few weeks and try to get him on a podcast. But um, I've, I've out here in Southern California, there all that stuff stems from um, Marinovich. Yeah, the Marinovich brothers. Yeah. So there's a few guys out here that um, use that type of work, and I've been to their facilities and talked with them and, and filmed with them and worked. Yeah, out Ga- with them Gavin, and stuff like I think, that. is down the road from you. What's that? Gavin is down the road. He's in your area, isn't he? He's yeah, I actually. Um, his old physical therapist, Julia, that was in his place, I went down and worked out with her quite a bit. Okay. And a uh, super nice lady. But I think, in my opinion, guy, I think you can learn something from everybody. Um, but for some reason, people tend to gravitate towards one aspect of training and, and make it their own. Right, right, um, right. You know, whether it's mobility guys or speed and plyometric guys or 
or whatever. There's there's so many different things out there, right? But um, uh, movement coaches, movement coaches. Yeah, dude, exactly. there's, <laughs> there's so much, and it's like, what the hell does that even mean, you know? <laughs> but my thing, I, I I think there's absolutely something to be learned from it, you know. And I I think it was, I want to say it's Eric Cressy, and if I'm wrong, I, it doesn't really matter. But um, talking about if you are spend your life at the end of the spectrum where you're just trying to develop absolute strength, you know, and then you're talking about athletes, athletes, and then you want to say, okay, well, you have absolute speed on the other end of the spectrum. Um, if you live your life in that absolute strength realm and you add a little bit more of the speed stuff, holy shit, everything changes and everything gets better. Right, right. If you spent your life just doing speed work and then you add strength work into it, Oh wow, damn! He's getting faster and more powerful. Right. right? You, have, so, you have to look at things in the whole. I think that's what when you look at someone like Rafael Dos Anjos. He obviously had a good foundation in strength before he started working with Nick, and then when he started working with Nick, he became a lot more explosive and faster. And Nick's strategy with him was he always wanted him to be first, the first to do anything. So when he was fighting right. Pettis, he was the first one to make a move, first one to hit, first one to strike down. But you could you could say that he wouldn't have benefited fully from Nick's system if he didn't already have a foundation right. in strength. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with like a lot of the movement stuff, <clears throat> you know, I always ask people like, did you play outside when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so we were talking about it with some guys. Yeah, we, we can go throw the Frisbee in this after we want to do a movement session. It's amazing because <laughs> yeah. you can really tell the difference. Like who, who was that sheltered kid compared to the kid that was outside? I mean, I can just see that with my nieces and nephews. <laughs> you know, just sure. I can see the difference between my nieces and nephews that live like in – Small town East Texas, where they get out, they're not really worried about crime and being snatched up or anything like that, compared to my urban inner city nieces and nephews and the yeah. way they move, you know, because they just pretty much have to go to extracurricular activity events and things like that for the most part. So you can really just see the difference, man. And, hey, they're both the same age. What's the difference? Well, that environment and a lot of that stuff plays a big part in it. I was one of those kids that was always outside. And I can tell these sheltered clients that I have coming in, like, dude, do you did you ever get to go out? I'm like, no. <laughs> just sat and played video games. Yeah, I can tell. Can yeah, tell. absolutely. Well, we were talking the other day. There's a group of a group of kids from South County that's uh, you know about 20 minutes south of us, and you know it's kind of like San San Clemente, Dana Point, surf towns, right? Yeah. And out of this group of kids, like one group of dudes, there's been five or six guys in the UFC, and we were talking about like that's not normal. <laughs> Right. You know, but, but asking more questions and stuff like that, I'm like, how much time did you guys spend outside? And I'm like, you guys are on the beach. You guys are surfing. You guys are mountain biking. You guys are out dicking around. You guys are doing all kinds of stuff outside. Right. But as little kids, I think that's where the movement coaches kind of gravitate towards because they see so many people that sit on their ass and in front of a computer all day. They think that everybody needs to go out and move and play and do stuff. And I think in one aspect, maybe they're right. You know, you get barbell guys that are like, nah, screw that. Everything else is stupid unless you do squats and deadlifts. <laughs> well, I think there's a part that you could you can learn from that, but I don't think it's a puzzle either for athletes, you know? Yeah, you want to be able to touch your toes, too. Exactly. <laughs> you, know? you, need, you need to learn other points of movement besides just up and down. Okay, yeah. trust me. How to, move, someone, how to move laterally might help. Exactly. Right? Left <laughs> and right. <laughs> might help your performance in other aspects of your life as well. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So I think there's just a lot. I think it's, you know, I think it's cool to just learn from so many different people. And like you'll go to workshops and seminars and, and watch stuff and read stuff. And I just personally got like maybe 
five percent of it, I'll be like, oh, damn, that's really, really good. I'm going to take that and put it in my tool belt and I'm going to use it in certain situations, you know? Right. right. I, I think that's could the, 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 the standard of a good coach is the ability to discern that rather than just get totally mystified by something where you just stop doing what you're doing completely and adapt someone else's system. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, honestly, most, most likely physical. that other person's system is not their system either, no matter what they're probably claiming during that yeah. seminar. It's like they got bits and pieces from someone else and put all the stuff together as well. Or they may just blatantly rip somebody off and claim to be theirs. You know, you never, you never know with this industry now. So, Yeah, it happens all the time. Exactly. So what's something that you've come across recently that you implemented into your overall protocol? <clears throat> you know, I uh, man, there's so many things. We The last few years, we've had so many people come into the gym and, and do – presentations and workshops and stuff like that and um you know i think man there's so many uh, for the fighters that have been coming in for five six years which is silly because it doesn't sound like very long but the laundry list of shit that we have to deal with as those guys get a little bit older is overwhelming kind of some days you know yeah, yeah. and uh really the biggest thing that i've changed in the last year <clears throat> is completely cutting um a lot of the volume as well as um, a lot of the conditioning, you know, because I've, certain coaches will listen and, and communicate with me and other coaches just don't. And, uh, you know, I realized that the traditional skill training, they're going to get their asses kicked. Right. You know, they're going right. to work hard. They're going to brawl. They're going to do their thing. They're going to get, you know, hey, do a thousand kicks today or something crazy like that. Right. right. And they're going to get their conditioning in. Um, so I tend to focus a lot more on just mobility, stability stuff, keeping them strong, you know, um, healthy, like making sure their, their shoulders, their hips, their ankles are moving and, and doing stuff. And then just basic strength and maybe a little bit of explosive work. Cause I know they're not probably doing those things, you know, and I try to work around what I know that they're probably not doing in their practices. Right. right. Do you find that conditioning is rarely an issue with the pro athletes you work with? You know, the, uh, again, the, I think the, a huge part is um, a lot of these kids, they'll go, they'll bang at practice, um, but consistency is a huge one. So it really just depends. Mm. You know, I think if you if you miss one practice a week, and I'm a, I'm a huge stickler, I get so pissed with people if they don't show up, and it's kind of like a pet peeve, but I'm like, look, guys, if you miss one practice a week, and that's 50 practices a year, Right. If you go to, you know, your jujitsu coach 50 more times than I do this year, and then I'm pissed off because you catch me in an armbar or a submission or something like that, well, that's kind of, it's just it's simple. It's, you just went 50 more times. That's a shitload of work. If you add that up over five years, it's 250 new practices. It becomes really, really like obvious why some people gather momentum and whip somebody's ass and somebody doesn't, right? Because everybody, the majority of these kids miss practices all the time. Can be something to be said about that, you know, putting in those ten thousand hours that Malcolm, you know, Gladwell speaks about, right? There, yeah, you know. So, but, but it just—it's from my experience that is a huge issue, mm. you know. And a lot of these kids are juggling lots of stuff. I get it. There, a lot of them are young. Um, they're trying to make money. They don't get paid very much. Like, I get it. It's tough for sure. But I think that consistency part is an enormous piece of the puzzle. And then maybe they get in a, they have a fight, they have a tournament, they win, they lose, they feel sorry for themselves or they're excited, right? But then they disappear for a month. And when I was talking with Randy Couture, he said, I said, dude, how the hell did you last so long? 
You know, because that dude fought until he's, what, 46? Yeah, 46. Yeah, 47, I, I believe, yeah. Yeah, we fought like <laughs> And he looked at me and he laughed. And he you're, said, you're like, besides the growth hormone injections, how did you <laughs> last so long? <laughs> well, he told me, he said, he says, look, dude, he goes, win, lose, or draw, I was in the gym on Monday. Right, he goes, right. all these kids that I work with that disappear for a while, they all get injured getting back into shape. Yeah, yeah. And I think also what helped Randy out, he also, he, he came from the military into fighting. You know, he came from the, he had that army background and of course they had that wrestling background. So that discipline was taught in those two arenas right there oh, yeah. and consistency. You had no choice but to be consistent when you're, when you're a soldier. Okay. You can't just sit there and decide like, yeah, I'm not getting out of bed at five o'clock today, Sergeant. Sorry. I'm going to go ahead and sleep yeah. in. That was not an option for them. You know, and the grind and wrestling, you knew, you realized if you missed a session, man, I mean, next thing you know, you're getting slammed to that man. You're like, what the hell happened? How did this kid who was like the, the C string guy, all of a sudden he's pinning me on my back over and over well that consistency yeah. is there they're grinding all the time so that you, you usually find that with a lot of people who have that that base from wrestling yeah. just that, that grind that discipline because they've gone through it and they've probably been doing it since they were like three years old four years old so yeah, but what happens route. to the kid who just started you know who just like okay now i got into jujitsu when i was like in when i was in my 20s you know so now they're kind of doing it like in the middle of college where there's more distractions like how do you get to them you know and get them into that mindset of being consistent when they didn't really have to be as consistent as these other kids were you know yeah it's I, think, I think someone sure. like randy randy actually likes working out too yeah even when he doesn't have a fight coming up or he's not training for any event just the act of working out and staying consistent with that is something he would do anyway yeah you see him and like guys like chuck you know they're still training it's like they're not fighting but they're still training right you know because they obviously they like it they don't have to do that anymore you see some of these athletes once they retire i mean hell (laughs) you're like what happened you know you they they can't they can't wait to retire (laughs) man they're like i can't wait to be a fat charles barkley is probably like i can't wait to stop this (laughs) because i want to keep eating (laughs) you know it's not like sitting behind a desk (laughs) you know you don't have to see my belly you know or anything like that well, you see that with a lot of former Olympians, right? Yeah. I mean, they used, <laughs> it's like whoa. It's hard, to, it's hard to believe <laughs> they were they ever competed in in anything save a buffet contest, you know? <laughs> right. Hot dog eating contest. Because, but Mike Menser made a good point, right? Professional bodybuilder Mike Menser. He said that after he finished competing, he spent so many years depriving himself that he just wanted to go guns blazing. So he started smoking two packs of Marlboros a day. Never worked out. And he just ran himself into an early death. But in his mind, he was like, I'm done with all that discipline. Now it's time to have some fun. Yeah, I think that's pretty common with anybody that has to make weight. They kind of they have this uh, love hate relationship with the scale and you know, yeah. being deprived. <laughs> well, no, the everyday person has that love hate you know relationship yeah, yeah, with the yeah, scale. Exactly. They don't have to make weight. They actually actually create more weight is what they're hearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Anytime you deprive yourself, there's going to be a Not good, compound effect, <laughs> which is probably double if you didn't deprive yourself. So you deprive yourself, and now you want what you deprived yourself of three times as much, oh, right? yeah. as much as if you would have wanted if you didn't deprive yourself. Exactly. You want to take a little extra for the next time you deprive yourself. Like, let me get plenty of it this time around, so the next time I have to do without it, I'll be okay. I won't miss it. And that doesn't work. <laughs> you still miss it. <laughs> yeah. I love how people always make deals with themselves. Too. It's like, hey, you know, I'm just I'm just giving myself a reward because I worked hard today. You know, starting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Just making all these deals with yourself. This is what this is. This is the human mind. This is, or it's like, oh, you know, I, I, I work hard. I can stop off trip club on the way home. You know, whatever. It is. It's just how humans are so good at rationalizing themselves, so making deals. 
But of you course. find that oh, you find with fighters that people make those deals with themselves as well, and that's something you have to work with. Where hey, I pushed it hard today, so I deserve to take the break. I deserve some time off, or I pushed so hard for that fight and I lost, so I deserve to just take a break from all of this. Yeah, I think uh, you know, going back to kind of the consistency thing, it's it's finding a schedule and a and a rhythm that you can keep long term. You know, I think. And I think it's kind of human nature with a lot of different people, but people just go balls out crazy for a short amount of time and burn themselves out and then fall off. Right. You know, where I think a lot of these guys need to be like, they need to say, okay, cool, look, I grew up wrestling and doing jujitsu. It's going to take a little while for me to figure out what the hell to do with my hands, right? So if they go to a boxing coach and they feel like a dumbass for six months, they got to be okay with that for a little while. Right. right. It's just, just part of the process. Everybody's yeah. learning. Everybody's trying to get better. And I think that's a, that's a good lesson for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just started you just started a workout regimen. You're not going to look like someone who's right. worked out for a while. You're not going to feel confident. You just have to go through that. Anytime you learn a new skill, you have to go through that. Yeah, for sure. It's It's, it's just human nature, I think, you know? Yeah, so everybody looks like you know, looking like a, a newborn deer, a newborn pony, newborn pony. You know, when they first start, you know, you're awkward, you're kind of all over the place or whatever. But just enjoy the process. Eventually, they become thoroughbreds. Okay, just always keep that in mind. So it wasn't yeah. always like that. <laughs> was right, exactly, and I think it stresses these guys out a lot because you go to practice, it's no fun getting choked out and punched in the face. You know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's much different than what most of us are used to when it comes to working out. Most of us are not beat up, literally, after a workout. (laughs) Yeah. You feel bad because you can't put a pair of jeans on. It's a little different than hobbling around (laughs) to somebody put your knee on. (laughs) Yeah, man. I think think with the recovery thing, though, what I see that's a no-brainer that's not utilized, and it could be a financial thing for a lot of guys, is just sports massage. You know, if you got one of those, yeah. if you could get one of those after each day of training, Ooh. that would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, the massage part I think is big, but I think the like you said, I think the biggest part is just financial for a lot of these kids. You know, no, no, no they're, doubt. They're uh, they're young, they're athletes. They might have a job, they might not. Um, and most of these kids are scrapping by. You know, until until that trickle down effect, until the 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 guys that these are fighting for or, or whatever are. Uh, actually paying these guys some money, uh, I don't think that's going to change much. Hey man, here's yeah, even, advice, even the guys here's in the UFC. For those young guys, like, look, since you're just coming up, go ahead and find a girl who's just started massage school. You know, she's got to put in her time as well. So, you know, she, she needs her on-the-job training, and she needs to do her little extracurricular activities outside of the classroom to learn her skill. Date a girl that's in massage therapy school, and therefore, hey, man, Everyone wins in this situation. <laughs> well, you have to be careful You're welcome. With that because a, a bad massage is worse than no massage at all. No, I've had massages from people that are early on and I felt worse coming out. I go, man, my back was kind of jacked up. Now it's really hurting. <laughs> so, I mean, it, t- I it, takes... it was a little jacked up, but I'm, I'm confident now. It, it's... <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, well, you, you confirmed that I had a problem. You know? Now you got to start by, by exacerbating it. school now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny so Corey, how do you i mean do you pretty much implement any type of rest and recovery with your athletes as well like you really drive it home with them like hey so now we've done this today this is what you need to go do as far as recovery because sometimes you know it seems like those other coaches may not throw that in there or they may say just go do it but never give them anything specific to do because a lot of times a lot of these athletes can be they can be pretty much small children like tell me what to do Tell me what to do. Oh, yeah. You know, not trying. They don't really 
make the time to try to figure it out themselves. And if they do, it can go down the wrong way. So do you ever find yourself in that position where you kind of step in there and like, hey, so this is what I need you to do, because with this, what we did today, this is going to really help you as far as recovery. I need you to do this. Yeah. And and for for a lot of them that are coming through, I mean, damn, like, again, if I can get them to eat decent, not train three times a day and go to bed at a decent hour, I won. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and if I add, if I make it too complicated in any one direction, they ain't yeah. do shit. Yeah. You know, they ain't, they're not going to follow it. And it's not because they don't trust me or don't like me or whatever. They just, they just don't do it, you know. Right. And so I just keep it really, really simple. Um, and if they're if they're banged up, I'm making sure that they're going to physical therapy. They're getting checked out. You know, they're dialing back on their training. I'll hit their coaches up if they'll listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll change my training, which happens all the time. Um, you know, if they do and I can, like I have a bunch of massage therapists and manual therapists and different people like that that are out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can do it and they're willing to do it, cool. Like, absolutely go do that. You know, there's cryo, there's, you know, there's saunas, there's all kinds of stuff that's out here, but. You know, usually the biggest thing is just like, yo, guys, how many times you train yesterday? Right. Did you usually two or three? Right. OK, well, can you do me a huge favor and just take a day off this week. And it's a lot of times it's just hard. You know, I'm like, yo, go to the beach, go chill out, go hang out with your friends, but just don't go to the damn gym today. You know. Right. And there's they start to listen as they and you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, they do it after three or four big injuries and missing fights and, and you know, having going through some kind of an issue to wake their ass up. Right. But usually they kind of wake up and they're like, all right, cool. I'm trying to, I'm starting to figure it out. You know, my, my training, I'm going to train maybe once or twice a day. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to vary my intensities, not kill myself every day. And I see it kind of getting better over time, you know? Right. Now you were saying like, you know, with their coaches, you know, if they listen, what's been your experience for the the majority of the athletes that you worked with as far as working with their coaches, as far as were they easy to consult with? It's like, hey, this is what I, what's going on as far as the strength and conditioning. And, you know, I just want to keep you abreast of this. So maybe take this in consideration with this training today, blah, blah, compared to maybe some coaches who are just not even trying to talk to you. Like, who the, who the hell are you? You know, I'm, I've got all these years of experience in being a coach and I've done this and that and the other. And like, you're not even here to talk. Yeah. Be able to talk to me, have a discussion with me, you know, so well, skill, skill training, skill training without question is number one. <clears throat> you know, any anybody that's a strength and conditioning coach, your role is supportive. You know, so nothing that nothing that I should do should impair or screw up their skill training. Mm-hmm. Right. If I injure them, I'm an idiot. Right. Um. So basically, all I do is just say, hey, look. You know, this guy or girl's got a, a tournament coming up, fight coming up in six weeks. Where do you see them needing to improve? Right. Mm-hmm. What can I do to help? Right. Are they are they stiff? Are they slow? Are they weak? You know, does their conditioning suck? You know, let's let's talk about this and figure out what I can do to support you guys. And if I if I can do that and come in with kind of just a, a, a humble attitude a little bit asking mm-hmm. for advice, they're usually pretty open. You know. Other times they might just say, you know what, dude, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Well, uh, what do you think? You know? Yeah. And that's cool, too, because maybe it's just there's one or two aspects of their game that I can improve that six weeks or eight weeks or whatever to make them a little bit better. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, that's really all I can do during a camp. There's really, and you're not going to revolutionize somebody in six weeks and make them a completely different person. So, what do you find are the problems? It's always surprising me that nutrition is not optimal for professional athletes. So, what do you, what do you, what are some of the common problems you see with? Is it just not eating enough? What are, what are some of the issues? I think there's a lot of things, you know, and and maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's an excuse. But if you have an NBA, NFL or a pro, actual professional athlete that gets paid. Yeah. yeah. They usually hire somebody. You know, right. You got some kid that makes, you know, 10 and 10 when he fights mm-hmm. and he lost a fight and he made 10 grand and, you know, is a complete mess. Right. Yeah. Well, Dude, he's lucky if he eats frozen vegetables, you know? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. They see someone fighting in the UFC and they just assume he must be doing pretty well. Well, that's because they, the they have that boxing is, mindset because they've seen these yeah. boxers make millions, you know. All these people just show up and get knocked out by Mike Tyson in 45 seconds and he <laughs> walks away with a $10 million payday. So they still right. think it's like that with any aspect of the fight game in combat yeah. sports. Well, and to be really honest, even if you make 40 and 40, like – and, and you're not managing your money. <laughs> right. That shit goes. I, I got. I, I mean, it's it's forty and forty. Then you got to pay taxes. You got to pay your manager. You got to pay your coaches. It's huge, your representative. right? You got yeah, exactly. Your agent. I mean, there's so many different people that are going to get paid every time you work. Yeah. So I think it really just comes down to just again, just trying to keep it as simple as you can. Be like, look, are you eating some protein? Are you getting your vegetables in? You know, are you eating throughout the day? How are you doing this? Right. And I think that's why so many of these guys have hired nutritionists and it's become such a buzz thing in the last few, like last year or two, you know, hiring these nutritionists to come in for their camp. Because like we've been talking about, these guys are pulled so many different directions through the day, getting their ass kicked and their head punched. Like they forgot what you said 10 minutes after they <laughs> left. So having that some kind of a system or somebody else just kind of guiding you through it, it's really no difference than having a strength coach. You know, hey, dude, tell me what to do today. And they do it. You know, somebody just hands you food and says, look, this is your stuff for the week. It makes life a lot easier for sure. Right. It's one less thing to think about because you're working on so many things. Now you have to think about that. Now you have to think about how to organize your nutrition and put together meals and make sure the macros are correct. Make sure you're getting the optimal levels of fuel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some really – I think it was was either Einstein or someone else who's really intelligent who would just wear the same thing every day. So it was one less thing to think about, so you're not wasting energy on it. (laughs) Who was it? Like Steve Jobs did that too, I think. Yeah, he just had a black T-shirt on. He was was an odd dude, man. He he put his feet in toilet water to save water as well, so I don't know if we can use him as (laughs) as a good example. (laughs) He thought that he didn't have to take showers anymore after he picked up a vegan diet. (laughs) That's (laughs) Uh, no, I'm going to disagree. Ah, uh, Stevie, Stevie. <laughs> really centric there. <laughs> What's interesting about him is it was hard for him to enjoy anything because he always thought about how to make things better, yeah, right? Yeah. He could, he couldn't, he couldn't, yeah. he, it, like inefficiency in any way frustrated him. Couldn't if he were on a off. boat, he would be like, man, this boat could be so much better. He couldn't enjoy being on the boat in the, yeah. in, the in a lake or the ocean. He just had that. But that's why he was so good at what he did as well. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people that that just drive and 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 go towards something so hard that the rest mm-hmm. of their aspects of their life usually are affected big time. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. 
Show me a well-balanced person. I'll show you someone who's not exceptional at anything. Exactly. Right, exactly. Huh? It's just a reality, man. I'm not saying yeah. it's good or bad. It's just a reality. People that are yeah. like, oh, like, you know, I, I got to make sure all this stuff is balanced. I was like, yeah, if it is, you're probably not really good at something. That's <laughs> yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. You know, you make whatever choices you want to make in life. But people that are exceptional at stuff, they're in an imbalanced state. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, I mean, that kind of like solidifies like all this stuff that we're saying with these kids you know i mean skill training is number one without a question you know and they just got to get in there and be comfortable with what they're doing for a long period of time before they start to get frustrated with their progress because i mean there's a lot of aspects to it you know right i think all all the other stuff is just is side stuff i mean not that it's not important but it's all supplemental yeah yeah i mean it's 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 all in a supporting cast you know you could, be, you could be the best. Little, condi- you could be the you could be the strongest, best conditioned guy, but if you can't throw a punch or a duck, for sure, or take down or, right. or defend an armbar, you know, you're in trouble. And that's every sport, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of physical freaks, but you know, some guys mentally just can't pull their shit together when it's go during its go time. You know? Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. What do you think? What do you think happened to Connor when he fought Nate this last time? Did you see a mental break? Did you? I'm, I'm assuming you watched the fight. We all saw it, but yeah. did you? I, I mean, to me, I saw a mental break in that second round. You could just see it in his face that in the first round he was throwing those hard punches that he's used to knocking people out with, and Nick took it all. And he's yeah. like, and, and so Connor expended a lot of energy. He's like, man, I just threw a lot of stuff at him, and he's still standing, and I'm tired now. Yeah. And then when he started getting tagged back, and the Diaz brothers have very deceptive striking because it looks like just little. Little little hits here and there, but it really adds up the repetitive nature of it. Those guys are, have incredible boxing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and their mindset, like, there's a big. I heard somebody talking about there's athletes and there's fighters. Right, right, right. right? Yeah. And there's some fighters. There's there's kids that I trained that, like, if you're walking in the mall and somebody says something, like, they're gonna tee off on them. <laughs> and they're just a, they're a fighter. They don't give a shit if they're ten times bigger than you or right, anything. Right, right. And that that mentality has its pluses and negatives. No doubt. Sure. Right. Um. And then athletes, you know, they're just different, right? They're the day in, day out. You know, you'll ask them to do something, and wow, holy shit, did you see that? That was incredible. Like they just pick stuff up like it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's positives and negatives to both. And the cool thing about the fight game is, you know what? You don't know. Well, when I hear you say all that, I think of George St. Pierre when you say athlete, and I think of someone like Nate Diaz when you say fighter. Right. For sure. You know, and if you look, like, you can tell, like, you watch some people or you, you follow them online or whatever, you know, there's dudes that are just straight killers. Yeah. And they yeah. get in there and they'll trade and bang and they'll smile afterwards. <laughs> they love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and those, those, those are usually those are usually fan favorites. People love watching that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I don't know. I think Connor's an incredibly talented guy, mentally and physically. I think he's embraced. I like the stuff they were doing when they showed like the behind the scenes stuff in their camp yeah. with the amount of time that they spend drilling and practicing. Um, and I think he's that dude's a bad dude. But I think uh, I don't know. Maybe his ego got in the best of him and. You know, I think what he's doing for the sport is incredible because no doubt. finally somebody's starting to raise the bar so people are getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to have so a guy certainly, like certainly Frankie worked Edgar, out in Nate's favor. Yeah. To have a guy like Frankie Edgar who's been like an absolute monster and 
you know, been a champ in for years and years and years, right? Like he's still not getting the respect that he deserves. You know what I mean? That that's definitely all true. But I think with business, you have to move the needle, right? For sure. I think the reason why Connor is able to command the kind of money he's making is because he moves that needle hard. Right. If he, if he were just a guy who was talking a lot, we all find it interesting, but the pay per views were just the same as anyone else. That's then, then he really wouldn't have any any talking power. Yeah. Right. But I think guys like that, like. Cool, go up weight class, go up two weight classes. Those guys are still going to be able to bang and compete, right? Whether it's a good move or not for him professionally, I don't know. You'll see. Well, I, I think the rematch is a bad move. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think it's a great move for me. For money. Because, I, because I'm going to be betting hard. <laughs> yeah, it's my, oh, yeah. D- Diaz is still the you. underdog. I was like, man, I yeah. can't believe he's the it's underdog. A, it's, a, it's a good move really for like, Zufa, you know, because it's like, again, fans, it's a bunch of these what ifs. You know, and people after that fight happens, like, oh, well, next time, next time, next time. So pretty much the fans kind of dictated this. The first time you first look at it, like, okay, man, why are they doing this? But of course, right. they see there's a big payday with this because people want to see that rematch. Yeah. I was like, why? <laughs> why do we want to see that rematch? Oh, it, it moves the it moves the needle. Yeah. Going back to my point, that's why it's going to move the needle hard because people want to see if the first one was a fluke. fluke they want yeah. to see what's going to happen. Yeah. It, it, in my opinion, it wasn't a fluke. No, at all. <laughs> you know? To my no. now, it's going to be even worse because now he's now yeah. you know, he gets a training camp now. <laughs> he has a full training camp and he has experience fighting him. So he's got exactly. that going into it as well. He has the confidence of like, okay, this is what to expect. This yeah. is what he does. These are his strengths and weaknesses. Here's what I did wrong last time. Here's what I can improve. And he yeah. has all of that going in. And the same can be said for Connor, you know, because people say the same thing. Like, well, now Connor knows what to expect because he has a full camp to train for him as well, you know, for, for Nate. So just so. Who, but the thing, the things he's lacking in, he doesn't. It's only he's not going to close. The, he's not going <laughs> to close the gap in a few months on those things. Yeah. No way. No. Not a chance, man. No way. But like yeah, I said, hey, to me, this is all positive because I, I've, I look for opportunities to bet, which are very clear cut, and this is one of them. <laughs> you know? yeah. A lot of times when you're placing a bet, you're, you're just On the you're fences. just rolling the dice, man. Yeah. You, know, you, you have no, I mean, you're still rolling the dice anyway. But most of the time, you don't you don't really have any real clear cut strategy. Right. Here though, you know, this is one of those things that you just wait for. It's like the guy who is who should be the favorite is the underdog again, even though he had a dominant performance last time, which wasn't yeah. a fluke. It's not like Connor came in injured. Right. You know, it's, not, it's not like uh, he didn't have time to prepare. And he had, he had a full training camp going. Yeah, a different opponent than for what he originally else. prepared yeah. prepared for, but he still had a full camp. And he lost to a guy who was hanging out on the beach <laughs> doing shots 10 days before the fight. Hey, but you know what? I think there's a huge point where Connor's like poking fun and making like pushing. like Oh, he's all soft and doughy. <laughs> and to be really honest, dude, like <clears throat> that's a stupid gym mentality to oh, think yeah. that the guy who's yes. the prettiest is going to be the best. Absolutely, exactly. There's a lot of gnarly, ugly ass dudes that'll whip your ass to and then go sit out. back uh, on the bar stool and have a yeah. you know, full beer. Oh, yeah. Just look at the heavyweight division, for, you know, prior to Kane coming in, you know, so you can have these guys come in like over in somebody like that, that's you know, just ripped or whatever else, no matter what kind of help they use. Then you have somebody like Big Country Nelson who comes in. Right. It's like, come on, man, look at this fat hillbilly. You know, what is he going to do? And like, bam, it's like, oh, he did that. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, he also he also has an extra tool with that gun. Oh, yeah. You can, can just you can just put that gun in your face, and I mean, you know, oh, it's like trying to get the moon off of yeah, you. Yeah, we're perform enhancements. You know, it's like oh, so let me just, let me just get over this gun using growth enhancements. Well, look at that belly that Roy's bringing. <laughs> you want to talk about some GH right there? He's, he's using weight enhancement. In other words, he's putting so much body weight on you that it doesn't matter what your skill set is. You're being smothered, man. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, he has all that weight to throw into a punch. You know, you're talking, about, you're talking, you're talking about putting your body weight into the punch. Well, Jeez. he's got a lot of body weight going into that punch. Yeah, they move big boys. Yeah, Frank, any of those guys, all those guys that are like 265, Frank Mir or, you know. Uh, well, I, remember, I remember some people were talking about like, oh, Kane's performance would improve if he reduced his body fat. I go, come on. Conditioning <laughs> is clearly not a problem for Kane. No way. So him, so him, him getting his six-pack – is probably not going to be all that does is drop him down to light heavyweight. That's what that does. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, those guys—they're just—they're big, strong dudes, man. And I, there's a lot of guys I wrestled with over the years that even when they cut weight to make weight, they weren't ripped and shredded. I mean, look at Cormier. Cormier, yeah, Cormier is a good example of that. Cormier could get to 185; he still wouldn't be ripped. Yeah. Now, but obviously, it doesn't have. Obviously, conditioning is not one of his flaws because right. he can he can push it hard for long fights. He's done it many times. Yeah, that guy's a monster. I mean, for sure. Mark Hunt, you know, yeah, every fight he looks better and better, weight wise or whatever, but it's still not a, <clears throat> a, a physical specimen. Yeah. He will knock your freaking head off. Though. Oh, dude, I can't <laughs> even imagine. God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, then, and then you have some people that just have it all. You know, they look, they look like fighters, they're highly conditioned. It's, I, I think John Jones is really interesting now because now he's really filled out from all the powerlifting he's done. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that carries in to his next fight and i think in some ways it works out better for john that he's not fighting cormier right off the cuff he's he gets to do a warm-up fight yeah right with, with, with osp yeah with osp and as long as he takes it seriously right he's gonna win that fight if he goes in there thinking i don't need to do anything for this but i don't think he has that mentality anymore i think he realizes if he loses this fight that's a bad blow <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. right. he's a 10 to 1 favorite and you lose the fight that's bad so yeah, he he's, a, he's a physical freak, and he works hard, but damn, dude, like his brothers are in the NFL, too. I know, right? it's like uh, something uh, those genetics, man. I mean, look at Chandler now. It's just like, this guy's like oh, one yeah. of the top guys in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And plus, he just, I remember when he first started powerlifting, he had a clip of him deadlifting 450, and then all of a sudden, like a month later, it's it was, 600 pounds. Yeah, it's like, wait, what happened Christ, here? Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, man, didn't deadlift world, that's a giant jump, okay? Yeah, it's like one, I mean, you were way weaker than me when you first started, and now all of a sudden you just hit a PR I've been working on for a long time. Exactly. <laughs> when you started, it was like a warm-up now, <laughs> where you are now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And that's just with a short amount of time working on this. So he, he's definitely falls into that category that you're talking about, Corey, an athlete who picks up skill sets quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, to, to do what he's done to some of the greatest fighters on earth. Well, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Under the conditions that he were that he was in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, exactly. He got beat up like a, by a cokehead. But you <laughs> know, what's, what's funny is it, it would be ironic if that works against him now that he's clean. So oh, kind of like, like someone in a band where they, they wrote their best music when, <laughs> when they were all just oh, LSD, drugged out of their yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if like, Jim oh, Morrison was still we're, alive and he'd go to rehab? Yeah. It's just like, would the doors still be as great as they are? <laughs> you know? Or it's like Aerosmith going, oh, we're all clean and sober now. It's like, yeah, when's the last time you guys wrote a good song? <laughs> <laughs> so it would be funny. It wouldn't really be funny, but it would be ironic be if telling. all of a sudden John is not as good as he used to be because maybe he needed that adversity 
you know, to bring out the best in him. You know, it sounds yeah. ridiculous, but we've seen crazier stuff than that. Right. Oh, sure. Anyway, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we just see a, a way better John Jones, and he just has an incredible domination with his comeback. Yeah, it's always it's interesting, man. Is this this all these kids' career, all these guys' careers? It's a long road, even if it's three, four, five years long. Mm-hmm. And to watch them evolve and change, and people wonder why guys fall off, and usually it's injury, inconsistency, like you know that type of stuff. It and it, it adds up and takes people out because the margin for error at that level is teeny, you know. Yeah, and on top of that, most people are used to seeing these guys maybe once. You know, and they're lucky they see him twice a year, you know, actually yeah. competing. But what they don't see is that these guys, like you were saying, training three or four times a day every day, you know, for years. You know, so that's when all the that's when all the madness kicks in and, and sets yeah. them up for these short careers. Right. You can't consistently keep doing get, that for like 30 a lot of them, years. Right. A lot of them might just get fed up not making enough money and they say, yeah. fuck it. Just well, their wife is looking like, dude, seriously. <laughs> okay, I can't keep living like this. So you need to make a choice. Yeah, I mean, you know, some guys yeah, Joanna Young Chaseshake. She was ready to retire before she got her UFC contract. She wasn't making much money. Yeah, she, right. she goes, "There's nowhere to go with this. I'm done." Right. And then she got that UFC deal, and now she's a champion, and now she's a big star. No, yeah. no, no, all over the world. Yeah, quite a, yeah, quite a few of the female athletes who are in the UFC now were right there on the brink of retiring, man. You know, yeah. again, it wasn't. It wasn't big and lucrative for them prior to the UFC finally. I mean, yeah, you had Strike Force and all that and Invicta or whatever, but dude, it's not it's not gonna give you the money that you're gonna give with UFC money. Even the lowest paid UFC fighters doing far better than someone in some of these minor, you know, organizations out there. Oh, man. Sure. So even that makes a difference. Cause and it also gives you hope. Yeah, if you are even at the bottom of the, the line at the UFC, it gives you hope. It's just like, okay, I got to do a few more things to kind of really, be, you know, go up there, and it can teach them a little bit more about actually marketing themselves as well. Because let's let's be honest, a lot of the guys who are at the top really know how to market themselves. Right? You know, oh, they, yeah. they know how to put themselves out there and not just be about like, I just fight. I'm just a, I'm just a fighter. You know, you got to be more than a fighter. This is a business now, and you are a right. brand. You are a yeah. product. You know, once they sign, have you signed that contract? You are now a product of the UFC. So hey, you signed that line. You know what you were getting into. Run with it, man. You know, milk it for what you can. Yeah, I think like like we said earlier, I think it's going to evolve. People will learn. Kids will watch. They'll, you know, the, the fighters will change. Guys like Connor will come along and revolutionize everything, teach people new things that they never thought of before. And you know, hopefully in ten, twenty years, you know, when kids are fighting, they are making four or five hundred thousand dollars a fight. You know, the good guys should be making millions a fight right. because those the dollars are there. You know, they're making that money. Yeah. So they just need to, you know, and when that happens. Then, damn, I'm already starting to see kids that are coming up that have been doing all aspects of MMA since they were three, four, five years old. Yeah, like Sage Northcutt. I mean, he's from here in Houston. And it's funny just seeing him fight now, you know, where we used to see this guy, in, like, when he was, like, three and four years old, him and his sister, you know, competing in, in, in karate and, and all this other stuff. And their dad was selling – he had a supplement store out here. We remember seeing him, like, in the health and fitness – the local health and fitness magazine here all the time. So it's just funny now. Here it is. Fast forward. I think Sage is, what, what 19, 20 now? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just funny. I've seen this kid since he was a kid and now seeing him where he is now. So there's so many people say, oh, this flash in the pan kid. It's like, no, this, this, this kid has been driven since he was, like, three years old, man. And, yeah. I mean, we used to – you know, it used to be a problem like locally here in Houston. They have like in the advertising for his dad's supplement store or whatever. Like 
he would be in the ads. I think he was probably like four or five years old. And this kid had like an eight pack. And there were all these parents that were just so pissed off from seeing it like, oh, my God, just let a kid be a kid. Look at that. That's not normal. You know, whatever else. But <laughs> as I said, it's not necessarily like the dad's got him on a bodybuilding regimen or whatever else. He's freaking five years old. I mean, it doesn't yeah. take I mean, if he's active, it won't take much for him to have a low body fat percentage. You know, no. yeah, your kid's sitting on his ass playing Xbox all day and you won't let little Johnny out there. And now you feel like, you know, when a kid actually looks athletic, there's something wrong with that. You yeah. Know, maybe there's something that, wrong that's with how, you. That's how low the bar is now. <laughs> exactly. Like if, if a kid is active, it's like, oh, just let him be a kid. Just like, a kid, yes, be a kid. A kid. Let him live a little. <laughs> it's like, no, let him die a little is what you really should be saying. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like kids have a lot of energy, so you need to harness that oh, in a God. positive way. And sitting around playing video games all day and watching TV me. ain't it. <laughs> yeah, we're out and about. Let's say even walk around and kids are like running. And parents are like, hey, hey, stop that. Stop that running. They're outside. Why can't they run? (laughs) I don't want to say, whoa, 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 calm down. (laughs) They're in a park. Why why can't they run in a park? (laughs) What was the point of bringing them here? (laughs) Like, come on. Just because you don't run anymore? Well, 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 that's it right there. The problem is a lot of parents aren't active. So (laughs) I don't want to chase you. (laughs) When I see parents with their kids at the park, the parent is sitting at the bench on On his phone, phone. his or her phone, while the kid is running around playing with my dogs or doing pull-ups, et cetera. And the kids come to the parent like, Daddy, come on. No, not today. Daddy's not feeling well. Quite, quite a difference between the, the way Steve Maxwell raised his kids, where Steve had a rope in his house, where if his son Zach wanted to come downstairs, he would climb down the rope. And when he wanted to go upstairs, instead of taking the stairs, he would climb up the rope. <laughs> no big surprise. He's a phenomenal BJJ competitor. Right. Yeah, exactly. About huh? early 20s now. Yeah. Exactly. With all of the information you have on your website, that can be overwhelming as well. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you focus people, uh, even just people visiting your website? Where do they start? Well, I mean, the biggest thing that we do is uh, I created a membership site on there where it's uh, like a VIP area, and that breaks everything down. You know, it starts with an athlete assessment that people can run through, and then it can say, okay, cool. Well, what did we find out from that assessment? Okay, cool. Hey, look, your strength sucks. So we got to start. <laughs> we got to start there. Right or you're strong is, 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 that, is that what they get at the end of the assessment? Yeah. Like, well, after doing a thorough analysis, your strength sucks. <laughs> but there's a lot of aspects, right? So we go through all these different aspects, and we kind of you know you can roll through it, and it usually becomes pretty blatantly obvious. Like, yo, dude, you're either really strong or you're slow or or whatever it is, and you can talk to them about that and figure that stuff out as well. But um, usually, then I like when a camp, I like I said before, it's just it's usually focusing on one or two things that we're trying to improve for that fight and that's it you know and then it takes a lot of the noise out and then you can say okay cool yeah there's 80 of these other workouts that are in there but look dude you said that you don't have any pop in your step you need to get more explosive and fast you're definitely strong your cardio is fine we just need to get you more powerful yeah here's some workouts that are guaranteed that are that are proven to help you get more powerful you know and, and then they can just kind of like ask themselves questions along the way and it becomes pretty obvious what they need to be doing. Yeah. I mean, these, these sound like good assessment tools, even just for the regular gym goer. Yeah. Cause a lot of times you're working on stuff, you've hit a plateau, you don't know why you're stuck in a plateau. And then when you get a professional assessment, several things pop up that you never would have thought of that you need to work on. Of course. You know, and I think a lot of people, they just don't know. Like we might take for granted that you no know, doubt. maybe 20 years and you know all these different things and different people that do all these different workouts, right? Right, right. And the new guy's just like, uh, what the hell are you guys talking about? 
You know, and it's like you open Pandora's box and they're like, holy shit, what is all this stuff? Right. Right. And so for them, it's just like, look, dude, your ankles don't move. Right. Maybe we can work on your ankle mobility. That's why your knees are always jacked up and you shouldn't run. Right. Or something. I don't know. There's a million. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or to sell somebody like, yo, dude, you just got commoded yesterday. Your your shoulder's killing you. You shouldn't do floor presses or, or overhead presses. Well, what do you mean? Like they don't they don't put that together. It sounds stupid, but I mean a lot of it's just you know kind of educating people. <laughs> You're like you know that sharp pain you feel when you try to press overhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow, I mean, they, that's they, they, also they, an indicator. Tomorrow, yeah. they've gone through so many pains. It's just normal. Like well, it's supposed to feel that way. <laughs> that's the thing about it, and that's no different than the everyday person now. They've been in pain for so long that it's normal and to not feel the pain they yeah. think something's wrong with them like i don't yeah. i don't feel that pain in my shoulder anymore man i think i think i might need an operation like i think you need an operation be- you need the surgery before that yeah. happened you know now well, it's when, just I, when, I, when i used to design online programs for clients personalized programs sometimes people would complain that they weren't sore the next day right but right. i go that's the point okay? <laughs> we're, we're building a base here and then yeah. we're going to amplify it over time right. as opposed to I just throw you to the wolves at the first workout and you can't move for the rest of the week. How are right. you supposed to make progress? No, oh, Mike, huh? you got to beat me up, man. Come on. No, it was frustrating. I would have people like that. I, I had this one lady who did the program and she goes, it wasn't hard enough. So I did it again right afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was like, all right, all right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you some money back. So you, go, <laughs> yeah. you, you can go get a new trainer again. <laughs> Obviously, you're smarter than me. So you yeah. don't need to hire me. Now I've had to tell people that. Like, well, I'm I'm bowing out. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not qualified to coach you. What do you mean? I hired you. Yeah, but you're you're smarter than I. You're not listening to anything I'm saying. So obviously, you're much better at this than I am. In fact, you open your own freaking gym. Maybe I need to hire you. you know, then they're looking at you all dumbfounded, like, wow, why would you say that? Well, <laughs> so, a, lot, a lot of times, people want you to give them what they already want. Right. And I don't need to do that. <laughs> What's the point of paying me to just tell you what you're already doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you can just do that without me in the equation. Exactly. Yeah, but I think a lot of it just boils down to just really simplifying it for everybody, you know? But it's so, and yeah, that, that so often unsexy. Confuses, it's so unsexy, though. Simple. Well, like, that, that confuses people, though. <laughs> it can't be that easy. Come on. Exactly. They look and they go, that that can't possibly work. I'm just going to do deadlifts and presses on Monday and then squats and pull-ups on Thursday, and that's what it. What else? Can't possibly. <laughs> what else? Like, that's enough. It's like, yeah, you're, you're sleeping six hours a night. You're working 50 hours a week. You've got family. You've got other commitments. This yeah. is what's going to work for you in the situation you're in. They're yeah. like, well, that's not the way you train. I go, I'm in a much different situation. Well, you're not me. <laughs> I, can, I can sleep nine hours every night if i want to i've got all the time at 11 o'clock in that you know in the morning (laughs) you know like what (laughs) exactly because i've said up and when i post workouts like oh i'm gonna try that today i go look i I didn't post the (laughs) workout for you to try this is part you know my workouts are part of an overall program and that are that's personalized for me so it's not it's not the workout of the day it's not like the take the mike marler challenge (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly yeah Yeah. that's that's where a lot of people get confused too and you you would this is why I think following a program and not second guessing it is one of the best ways to progress. And I think it's one thing that most people don't do well at all. Like, for example, the Cohen deadlift program that we've mentioned on the show many times, most people, the, most people who use that program and it doesn't work for them, or at least they say it doesn't work for them, is because they didn't put down their one rep max accurately. They overestimated themselves. Yeah. They're, they're like, well, I think I can deadlift 550, and they've never done it before. <laughs> and also, their their best deadlift was 505 a year ago. Their actual right. deadlift now is 455. Right. Yeah. 
you should err on the side of being even more conservative than that. Like if you know for sure you can do 455 and it's hard, start with 440. Right. You're only going to make – you're still going to make progress. In fact, you'll probably make more progress because you're going to build a dial-in technique. Every workout is going to be a success. I go, people are on week three of that program and they're missing sets. <laughs> yeah. It's like you shouldn't even come <laughs> close to missing reps at all, but certainly not that early in the program. Right. Well, that's just that thing. Everybody's just trying to push and cram everything in as fast as they can. They burn themselves out. Right. They do it in everything. You, every, all this stuff you guys are saying is making me feel better because it's not just my clients that are doing it. It's awesome. No, it's everybody. Oh, it's everybody. It's everyone. Everyone makes – most people are not very – are not well calibrated. They're not very good at assessing where they're at, and that's why they don't make any progress. Well, I think like that goes like on, on Corey's site. You know, he has like a – you know, he has a, an article over there with the top 10 aspects to a successful MMA strength and conditioning plan. Honestly, those aspects that he points out, that can be applied to just people – Every day, especially just everyday person yeah. with their training, even with their freaking life, man. Like the first one we already touched on is like you got to have a plan. <laughs> you know, that's where it starts yeah. right there. Most people don't have a plan. They have an idea. They have an inkling. They have a dream. And that's the thing about it. a lot of stuff is just a dream. But the sad thing about dreams, you wake up <laughs> and then it's just like, OK, now what? It's like now that you're awake, what's going to be? OK, do you move forward with that? Or you just like, oh, that was a crazy dream and keep moving. So that's the one thing. And then the second one was like the attitude. And that's that. I feel like those first two things right there sums it all up because that pretty much opens the door for everything else that he had listed over there. And that attitude is a big difference maker. It's a big yeah. difference maker. And we were just talking about this. Like, so look at man, if you hired me to coach you, then you need to have the attitude to be willing to have the willingness to learn and be the yeah. student and not be the know it all. Because obviously you trust me. Here's my thing. Do you go to your doctor and like, hey, do you set if a doctor gives you surgery, do you, once you recover, do you go home and like, ah, I don't like the way he did my shoulder. I'm going to go ahead and operate on myself and just go redo <laughs> what he did. You know, no one questions them, you know, because so, you you know, you need to treat your coach the same way with the same respect. It's like, look, they put in the hours and education to get to and assess these things and help you move forward. You hope my thing is if you hire them, hopefully you do have that trust in them and let them do their job, man. Stay the hell out of the way. And hopefully you hired the right person. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest. A lot of the people you hire are not putting together a personalized program for you. They're just sending you some generic bullshit. Oh yeah. They're copying off yeah. bodybuilding.com or T nation. And like, here you go. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there, there's no assessment, nothing they're like, oh, okay, try this. Right. See you in a month. It's a lot different than here's a questionnaire you have to fill out. Send me your journal every Friday so we can tweak things. And Email me if you have any questions. Big. Exactly. Yeah, communication. Like, exactly. So when you Essential. when you go through that assessment and go through that questionnaire, you need to explain like, hey, so okay, I've gone through everything you filled out. This is where I feel like we need to start. And here's why. Most you know, a lot of coaches just say, this is what you need to do. Like, no, again, people come to you, they're children at this point. So you just don't tell a child because. Because when a child replies back to you because as a parent, it pisses you off. Like, why'd you do that? Because you want to like what? That's not a, that's not an answer. So it works the same way. On your end, you can't just say, well, we're going to do this. It, tell them why and why that's going to benefit them and why you feel like that's a good starting point. The more information they know, the more, hey, it also builds the trust in you and the confidence in you as a coach. They're like, okay, this dude really knows what he's talking about. He's really paying attention to me. He's not giving me some just generic, you just go do this and pay me situation, you know? Okay. Cool. I, I was just saying that after hearing all this stuff, I'm so glad I don't design programs for people anymore. Oh, dude, so many aspects <laughs> to deal with. Yeah. Can't imagine. That's uh, tough, man. So anyway, where can people find out more information about everything you do, Corey? Uh, you just check out fightcampconditioning.com. And, uh, yeah, there's a ton of information on there from strength coaches around the world. And uh, that ought to give you a pretty good start. And if they got questions, they can always ask. Cool, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Great talking to you. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
Good stuff, man. We'll Good. talk to you soon. You take care. All right, see you guys. All right, take care, man. All right, and that's our friend Corey Beasley. Make sure you check out his website. It's fightcampconditioning.com. And make sure you check out what we're doing. Go ahead and pick up some products at mikemahler.com. Use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off everything you see on the website. So go crazy. Go buy Go buy one of everything. How about that? Go buy, go buy two of everything. Buy some stuff for some friends, too. And how about you, man? Yeah. Same thing, man. Head over to NewWayTraining.com. Use that same coupon code. 10% off of everything over there. DVDs, ebook, weight management program, Sharia doors for all you coffee and tea lovers out there. Bolsitas, so you can change them out so they don't look like old dirty socks from when you were like six years old and you're still, <laughs> still wearing them. <laughs> all that good stuff, man. Then also head over to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show, man. Keep the show going and growing. And there you go. A monthly donation to the show, man. Helps us out big time. We appreciate that. And last but not least, Go to wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's TuneIn, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, all that. You know, go over there, rate us, review us, share the episode, let the world know about the LLA show, folks. There you go. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of positive feedback on the Christian Thibodeau and Ori Hoffmeckler episodes, yet I haven't seen any new reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. All right, so there's a disconnect there. Don't send us that feedback. Go post that feedback on yep. Stitcher or on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show because a lot of people are going, oh, man, it'd be great if you get Christian back. It's like, well, show him that it's worth his time coming back by leaving right. some reviews and making sure people know that you enjoyed that episode. And also go support his stuff. Go support our guests. Go to their website. Check out their products and services. Exactamundo. So there you go, folks. All right, folks, let's go wrap it up for this week. We'll catch you on the next show. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye.